Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to share simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why the stock market is so crazy. Uh, so you've probably read some commentary that you know the share market really isn't reflecting the reality or the economic reality, either here in Australia or around the world and particularly in the US. So, for example, you know, it's not uncommon for our share market to rise or fall 3% in any one day, which would in normal terms be uh, newspaper headlines and dominate the news for 24 hours, but it's barely newsworthy anymore. And what's more, it can happen on a day where we receive um, pretty ordinary information in regards to the spread of coronavirus, for example. So uh, there's a disconnect sometimes between... Uh, what's happening in reality, uh, particularly as a result of coronavirus, and also then what's happening in the share market. And uh, a lot of people left wondering, oh my God, what's going on in the share market, which is a, a fair question to ask yourself. And then there's stocks like Tesla in the US and Afterpay in Australia. So car, electronic car manufacturer Tesla's share price has risen by about 50% over the past couple of weeks which is ridiculous. Uh, Its market value is now equal to that of the aggregate of the top four banks plus BHP. So the the aggregate value of those five companies is now comparable to the value of Tesla alone. It's the most valuable car manufacturer, according to the stock market, uh, in the US. Uh, But the problem is that if you look at the profit made by the big four banks and BHP, that equates to about 12 Aussie billion a year. Uh, Tesla doesn't make money and it has never made money. Surely it defies logic. Uh, But these exuberant valuations are happening in Australia as well. Towards the end of March, uh, uh, the darling of the market, Afterpay, which is a fintech company, uh, was trading just above $8. Uh, This week it's been trading uh, around $70 and is worth now $20 billion. Uh, By the way, it also doesn't make any money. It's never turned a profit. So how do you navigate a market that really isn't making much sense? Well, the first thing to consider is what they call the Robin Hood effect. And uh, one of the contributors to such irrational exuberance in the market is really the influx of amateur investors. And most of these investors are often first-time investors. And back in May, uh, Australian regulator ASIC uh, noted that there had been a 340% increase in the opening of new share trading accounts. And again, most of those new accounts are opened by first-time investors. Uh, And the US has reported a similar record number of new share trading accounts. And the theory is that people are becoming bored, locked inside their homes. Uh, sports betting and casinos, for the most part, are closed. Uh, and people have turned their attention to what I would regard as gambling in the share market. In fact, uh, in the US, they've uh, sent out, the government has sent out stimulus checks to people. Uh, and instead of spending those monies, uh, a lot of people have opted to investing those monies. When I say investing, I really mean gambling or speculating. Uh, into the share market. And um, uh, fintech companies have certainly jumped onto this theme. And in particular, 
uh, a business called Robinhood, and that's why it's called the Robinhood Effect, uh, is best known for gamifying the share, uh, share trading process. So it offers free stock uh, to any new investor that opens a, a new account. Uh, so it'll give you a couple of shares in a company. Uh, and if you refer your friends, you can pick up some more free stock. Uh, when your trade is in profit, your screen is green. Uh, and when it's in, in loss, it's in red. Uh, if you purchase, it'll send you confetti. You know how confetti sort of just comes up on the screen. Uh, and if you sell, uh, you'll get that money straight away so that you can reinvest it, whereas uh, trades uh, are settled on T plus 3 in Australia, so you've got to wait three days uh, for your money. And now many brokerages in the US aren't actually charging commission or fees uh, to purchase shares. Instead, what they do is uh, include a spread in the buy-sell price of a stock, so really their fees are hidden in the share price. Uh, and again, what they're trying to do is just reduce the barriers to people trading or speculating. If people feel like or can't see a fee, uh, then they're more likely to uh, trade some items. Uh, similarly, ASIC is very concerned by uh, the impact that retail investors are having in the, the market. They seem to be driven uh, mostly to create uh, short-term profits and the data that ASIC has looked at uh, suggests that most people are worse off rather than better off for the experience. And they cite, for example, the week of 16 to 22 March, uh, where retail clients' net losses from trading uh, CFDs, which is contract for difference, a, a different more leverage tool. Anyway, during that week, uh, retail investors lost $234 million. So for the most part, a lot of speculation uh, and a lot of people are losing a lot of money. And really, this behavior goes against everything. We, I believe personally, and we at ProSolution uh, believe, and of course, it's more akin to gambling than it is uh, investing. Um, but uh, investors can have, sorry, speculators can have a substantial impact on markets. And uh, you only need to look to Bitcoin uh, for a really good example of that. You know, but as the saying goes, everything is popular until it's not. And uh, I was watching a video, uh, an interview uh, with a, a guy called Rob Arnott, who is the founder of Research Affiliates in the US, very well respected uh, stock market analyst, uh, and has formulated a number of different methodologies which we uh, utilize uh, that have that, that have peer reviewed and um, uh, uh, rooted in sound uh, logic and, and rules based approach. Anyway, um, one of his analysts looked at Amazon. Amazon's currently trading at 120 times PE PE's price earnings. Uh, so that is, if you're an investor in Amazon, you're paying 120 times earnings uh, for the stock. Uh, which is high, obviously. Now, uh, what, the, what the analyst did is worked out, well, if, Analo if An Amazon could grow their sales by 20% per annum uh, each year for the next 10 years, uh, by the way, that would mean Amazon in 10 years' time was 10 times bigger than it is today, and in fact bigger than the entire global retail marketplace. So whether they can achieve that over the next 10 years, whether any company can achieve that over the next 10 years, uh, you know, you've got to have a, a reasonable level of scepticism uh, about it. But even if they could, right, that's an outlandish prediction. Uh, they're worth 70 times PE, not 120. So really, the only way you can make money by investing in Amazon stock 
is if uh, the bubble continues to grow uh, and you're able to exit, take your money uh, before it bursts. Uh, similarly, uh, Afterpay, as I said, trading at uh, $70 per share, a $20 billion valuation. It's almost as valuable as Coles, uh, except in 2019, Coles made $1.6 billion in profit, whereas Afterpay made a $24 million loss and has actually never recorded profit. And the faster it grows in terms of customers, the more capital it needs. Uh, so whether it will, will ever make a profit is... Um, uncertain I guess uh, but there's no doubt that valuations like this just represent bubbles and bubbles always pop and bubbles will cost thousands of amateur investors a lot of money. The other thing that is noteworthy is that traditional index funds, traditional market cap index funds are forced to participate in these rising valuations so now that Afterpay is a top 20 Australian company, traditional market cap funds will need to buy more of this stock as they reweight their index portfolios. Uh, and so as most index funds tend to reweight between one and four times, often really between two and uh, four times a year, either uh, half yearly or quarterly, um, and typically around the end of the financial year, they will rebalance. Uh, and as such, uh, those index funds will need to go out and purchase more of Afterpay stock. Now, whether you as an investor would be a buyer of that stock at $70, um, I would suggest you're not, or you shouldn't be, uh, not as an investor, maybe as a speculator. Um, but that's one of the downsides of traditional market cap indexing is it tends to follow uh, bubbles. Now, obviously, these irrational valuations contribute to the overall market's valuation and can distort the market as a whole. And that's where you tend to read, look at the price earnings ratio in the US market. Isn't it high? Isn't it risky? Therefore, we shouldn't invest. Well, um, that is true at that level. But of course, uh, there's certain sectors in each of these markets, Australia and the US, that are well and truly overvalued. But then also, by definition, there's sectors that are well and truly or appear to be undervalued. Uh, and at the moment, the average PE in the Australian stock market of the ASX uh, 200 index, it's trading at a 19.5 times PE, uh, whereas its long-term median is closer to 14.3. And in the US, 21.7 times PE. Uh, and its uh, long-term trend is closer to 17 times. So when you look at those PEs at a higher level, and I've got some charts from JP Morgan on the blog and the website that you should go and have a look at, um, but when you look at those headline characteristics, you would say, oh my God, the market's fully priced, I'm not investing. Um, but really it's based on just a few sectors. So in the US, it's mostly consumer discretionary, and Amazon would be uh, dominating that sector, industrials and technology, and in Australia it's technology, healthcare and industrials. So certainly there's some common themes there in terms of sectors that are um, overvalued, either because maybe people have overestimated the impact that COVID is having on their businesses in terms of positive impact, or there's a one particular stock that's really dominating that sector that also looks overvalued, like, for example, healthcare. In, uh, uh, in Australia, it's mostly CSL sort of dominating that, uh, that sector. Uh, but importantly, there are sectors that represent good value. And that's where we draw the conclusion that growth 
looks very expensive compared to value. So really you can allocate stocks into two main categories, growth and value. A growth stock is a business that ex- that's expected to generate very high levels of growth in the future. So as such, you know, its current revenues and profitability really aren't indicative of its future revenues and therefore we're happy to pay a higher multiple for those businesses because we hope that um, that their growth in the future will look the, look will make the price we pay for that stock look very cheap in the long run, and so there's then a disconnect between the current fundamentals of the business and the current valuation, uh, and Tesla, Afterpay, and Amazon are all growth stocks. Uh, value stocks are stocks that are currently undervalued by the market, having regard to historical uh, valuation measures, so PE multiples and so forth. Uh, where the underlying stock fundamentals are strong. So if we've got strong profitability but on a low PE, that would be a a value stock. Over the past five to ten years, growth stocks have been well and truly rewarded. They have done incredibly well, uh, mostly driven by these bubbles, you know, that I've just spoken about. Uh, And as a consequence, value uh, investors haven't been uh, rewarded. The market's just not really interested in rewarding fundamentals at the moment. So when you start talking about a business's profitability, they're more interested in a story about the future and technology. Uh, And I've got a a chart, again, from JP Morgan uh, in the blog that sort of sets out uh, graphically how overvalued growth is uh, compared to value. Uh, so therefore, what is the best way to invest in a market that doesn't make a lot of sense, like the market today? Uh, well, what I'm suggesting is that you need to use two overlays: a growth, uh, sorry, a value overlay and a quality overlay. So a value overlay essentially takes a index and then filters out any uh, stocks that are trading at very high valuations, and those they'll use different valuation metrics depending on the product. So it could be PE, it could be price to book, could be price to sales and so forth. But essentially saying, let's invest in the top 200 stocks, but let's exclude any that look ridiculously valued, overvalued. And then a quality overlay filters out any stocks that exhibit low quality characteristics. And they can tend to, or they tend to include high debt, volatile earnings, low profitability or, and or low return on equity. Uh, So all these filters are rules-based and they're statistical filters. They don't require any subjective assessment. Plus also they've mostly, a lot of them, if you choose wisely, have been back-tested. So we can see how it performs and how it performs, particularly in markets uh, that we're we're currently in. The idea behind uh, value is that you're avoiding overinflated sectors and companies in the market and therefore you reduce your portfolio's risk uh, when that bubble bursts. Uh, we'll probably all be affected, but value stocks will recover significantly faster and reward you in the long run. And quality, the, the um, purpose of quality is really to protect us in case there's a prolonged recession or prolonged economic downturn. Uh, higher quality businesses, low debt, strong profitability, strong cash flows will tend to do better through those periods. So when investing in a stock market, it's not an all or nothing decision. Uh, Typically, it's erroneous to decide I'm not investing today. And it's also just as erroneous to say I'm going to put all my money into the market in one hit today. Instead, the best approach is to ask yourself two things. Firstly, 
what approaches or methodologies can we employ to manage some of the risks that are currently in the marketplace, which is what I've just talked about, uh, value and um, quality. And then secondly, uh, you need to ask yourself, what quantum of investment should I be making? So if you're worried about markets, uh, investing zero isn't probably the right answer, but also investing a million dollars tomorrow isn't the right answer either. So now we know it's between one and one million dollars. And it, then it's really just about working out what, what amount am I happy to invest? And, in, and if you are concerned about markets or nervous, just invest in smaller amounts, but more regular tranches. So in summary, yes, the market looks a bit silly. Yes, some valuations are overcooked. Without a doubt, we're in a bubble uh, and that bubble will burst and cause some economic pain for some investors. Uh, But it's not true that the market as a whole looks risky and there's certainly ways to invest in the market that reduces the portfolio's risk and also positions it to generate uh, probably above median returns over the median to long term. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.